So far in this study, we've seen a lot of bad news, a lot of bleakness. There's been a lot of darkness, a lot of things that don't come to fruition. But it doesn't feel like we've gotten any closer to happiness in this life, or purpose, or meaning, or really anything good. And I promised you up front that Ecclesiastes was not all bad news. Now, we certainly have looked at glimpses of how Ecclesiastes shows us reality with God and life that is true and good above the sun. But again, where's the happiness in this life? What are we supposed to do during our days under the sun to find enjoyment, to gain meaning? What is God's intent for us now? But we get to make a shift at this point now because Ecclesiastes is meant to show us what we can't find fulfillment in. But that means that it also points us toward what there is happiness and fulfillment in. It's meant to show us the hooks that can't hold the weight of our happiness. So when we hang our expectations on them, they're going to collapse. But it also shows us where happiness can be found. Because throughout Ecclesiastes, there's another refrain, another repeated chorus, aside from vanity of vanities. And the chorus says to eat your bread with gladness, to drink your wine, to enjoy your relationships, to take pleasure in your work, for this is the gift of God. And it says it time and time and time again. So there is something in Ecclesiastes, in the midst of vanity of vanities, that says, but also, there's goodness in the life God has given you. And we know that this is the life God has given us because we see phrases like, I commend joy, and uh, it describes it as our lot. So this is something that, that the Lord has, has made for us to enjoy in the midst of this troubled life under the sun. And what that means is that this idea of taking pleasure is not that sort of meaningless, nihilistic, eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow you die mindset. This isn't just find our pleasure now while we weather this troubled world. There's something more to it because that's not how God designs things. God designs good, God designs purpose, God designs fulfillment. So when he says take joy, find joy, have pleasure, there's something going on here that we are being invited into. Part of what we're being invited into is this idea of a reprieve and even a defiance in the face of this darkness. I say a reprieve because sometimes life feels crushing. It feels heavy. And so when we insist on taking pleasure in the good things in creation, we're resting in the midst of it. It's like an oasis. And then it's a defiance of the darkness because when we take joy, we're actually revisiting what God originally intended for us, which was to take joy in his creation, to care for it, to live in it to its full. So when Ecclesiastes 9 tells us to go eat your bread with joy and drink your wine with a merry heart, for God has already approved what you do. Let your garments be always white. Let not oil be lacking on your head. Enjoy life with the wife whom you love all the days of your vain life that he has given you under the sun because that is your portion in life and in your toil at which you toil under the sun. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with your might, for there is no work or thought or knowledge or wisdom and shield to which you are going. This is a call to lift our eyes to the giver. So again, this isn't just a, man, go have fun. Sometimes life stinks, but just make the most of it. That's not what we're doing here. 
This is an invitation by God into his design so that we see him first and foremost as the giver and the provider. But notice the language of this text, the verses that I just read. This isn't the language of kind of ethereal, spiritual happiness, whatever that means. This isn't the fact that happiness is only found in thoughts of God. While thinking of God should bring us deep joy, this is the language of like the real gritty stuff of life. It says, eat your bread with joy and drink your wine with a merry heart. That means, that means love the amazing, delicious creations. That means relish those things that taste good, that we get to share with friends. There's, there's a party mentality here. There's a, there's a rejoicing mentality. There's a, there's a reveling in the things that God has provided us that are just wonderful to eat and drink and experience in that way. And then it goes on to talk about, let not oil be lacking on your head, let your garments always be white. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean a lot to us in our context, but that's basically saying, dress nice, take care of yourself. It's okay to, to, to think about fitness, to think about health, to think about uh, looking nice. And again, this isn't shallow vanity, but this is saying there's pleasure in, in dressing up in looking nice and caring for yourself and having a good time and presenting yourself for occasions that are worthy of celebration. This is, this is preparation for a party, that, that kind of thing. That's what this is talking about. And then it talks about enjoy life with the wife whom you love and elsewhere in Ecclesiastes it talks about friendship and, uh, and other relationships. So again, this is, this is the invitation to enjoy the people God has given us, the people who put a smile on our face, who we love to hang out with, who make us laugh, who we can be honest with, the most meaningful relationships. Again, so this is, this is not turning friendship into a weird spiritual thing only, but saying, God gave you these friends. Tell jokes, text each other stuff that cracks each other up in the middle of a meeting. Do the kinds of things that make friendship enjoyable. That's the stuff and substance of friendship. So what we're getting out of this is an invitation to thrive and to invest in creation. So we get to pour into it and we get to receive from it. So can you see how this is a defiance against the darkness, the vanity? So yes, none of this will last. Those parties, those friends, even marriage is a thing that has a shelf life. It does come to an end, but while God has given it to us, it is to be relished and rejoiced in. He wants us to enjoy his creation. And here's the amazing thing, to enjoy God's good gifts, the creation, this, this stuff of life that we talked about, bread, wine, relationships, work, all of that, to do that with gratitude, to do that with our eye toward him as the giver, is actually to fear the Lord. So we've talked about how fearing the Lord is a theme that runs through Ecclesiastes and really all the wisdom literature in the Bible. Well, enjoying creation with gratitude is an expression of fearing the Lord because it means that we are acknowledging God as the giver and creator because gratitude means we look to him as the one who provided this good stuff for us. So we can't idolize creation and be grateful at the same time. Gratitude removes that. It removes our inclination to try to find fulfillment in this stuff and rather says, man, look at what God gave me that I get to enjoy. He's amazing. 
He created this. So gratitude fears God in that way. It fears God by acknowledging that He provided it, therefore we, we have dependence on Him. If we acknowledge uh, all of this good stuff as a gift, that means that we're not taking the satisfaction of earning it. You know, I did this. I made this great life. I put this whole thing together, but rather the Lord made this happen in His goodness, in His generosity. So again, fearing the Lord is living as if God is profoundly real. Gratitude does that. So when we enjoy God's good gifts with gratitude, we are fearing the Lord. We are honoring Him and we're actually getting more out of creation than we would otherwise because we're expecting exactly the right things of it. We're expecting it to give us happiness, to give us pleasure in the time while it lasts. And that's, that's how Ecclesiastes teaches it. Enjoy these things while they last. And that doesn't mean feel the doom of their loss, but rather, they're great. Soak in them. They will go away, but for now, be grateful and take joy. So the bottom line is that not only are we allowed to enjoy God's creation and His good gifts, we must do this. And we must do it with grateful abandon. Abandon means without that sort of nervous holding back. A lot of us who grew up in the church sometimes feel reluctant to enjoy because it feels worldly, it feels maybe sinful. But God has given, given us so many good things as a gift. And when a father gives a gift to his child, he, he doesn't want that child to enjoy it with reluctance or with hesitance. He wants the child to enjoy it with abandon, to just cut loose and have a great time with it. That's how God has given us the good stuff of this life. So we must enjoy it with gratitude because when we do, we are fearing and honoring the Lord as our provider and our giver and we're leaning into how God created us to be.